Hi, I'm Roxanne, and I've been reporting everything Real Housewives and Bravo TV for the past 15 years, and now with my cousin Chantel. Hey, Roxanne. We're breaking down episodes and sharing exclusive content with your favorite and not-so-favorite Bravo TV stars. Listen to All About TRH wherever you get your podcasts. Said I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm all about it. Said I'm all about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Said I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm all about it. Said I'm all about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Hot and Messy Podcast. We're your hosts, Jason Barrett and Adam Newell. Wow, guys, we have such the treat for you today. Such a treat. We have... Okay, Adam, I have to let you do this this uh, intro because every time I mention Emily D. Baker, you stop and you have to do the... Wait, you have to do it. You have it's, to do it. It's like that voice or like that face where I'm like, it's not just Emily D. Baker. It's the number one legal badass commentator on YouTube, Emily D. Baker. That's funny. It's not just... Listen, I like to give her like the zhuzh, you know? I like the zhuzh. I, I love it. I love it. It's the the legal... I can't even do it. No, it's don't try. It's not just Emily D. Baker. It's the number one legal badass commentator on YouTube. Okay, you're doing Maybe too much. I can do it. No, no you're doing it's too much. much. Yeah, too oh, I don't much. know how to do it. See, this is why I can't do it. Guys, welcome back to Hot Messy Podcast. Again, we have to thank you every time. But you guys are leaving us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Thank you guys so much. And listen, if Apple and Spotify aren't your thing, I like to remind everyone that you can find us everywhere. Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your shows and podcasts. Now, we've got a lot of great questions last episode that we answered in our Q&A. You can always be a part of the conversation and email us at info at hotmessypodcast.com and go ahead and send us a question. Send us where you're from, what you're looking forward to in the holidays, or respond to one of our episodes. We love hearing from you. And with that, Jason, is it time? I think we need to jump straight in with Emily because we have had such a great conversation with her. And this is a full episode, guys. And you will want to listen just to enjoy the conversation, to be inspired. Um, this is someone who means a lot to us. So I think we should just jump right in. Let's jump right Said in. I'm all about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, guys, we're welcoming to the show today, Emily D. Baker or Adam. I have to let you do this intro because every time we mention Emily D. Baker, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on the podcast, what do you say? I always say, guys, we have Emily D. Baker, the number one badass legal commentator on YouTube podcast. Honestly, anything that you're watching on TV, I feel like at this point you're making appearances. So I guess everywhere, Emily, you're everywhere. <laughs> I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit everywhere. I, I am a little bit everywhere and I love it. I'm so glad to be on your podcast. I love podcasting. I started podcasting before my YouTube channel started to grow and it is really just truly my favorite medium. I love it so much. So I'm happy to be here. I love getting to see y'all on YouTube too, but podcasting is just so fun. It's a, it's a more intimate conversation, I feel. But Emily, thank you for being here and welcome. Thank We're excited you. to have you. You know, this is like Emily said, it is a lot more fun, I feel like, because you can have these intimate conversations. But I also enjoy watching Emily on YouTube and watching her live chat just like fly through and she's like engaging <laughs> with her community. And then I feel like for those who are listening who might not have seen my YouTube channel, when I first started having Emily on, when she was giving us her time and I was starting out, Emily's channel was not as big as it is now. It was always big, right? But then you started hitting some major celebrity lawsuits and then it just skyrocketed. Like we were it watching did. you. We were watching Emily just climb to stardom. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but the channel definitely um, took off during live trial coverage. And that's something that there isn't, there is a need for, but there isn't, in the traditional media, you don't get live trial coverage the way we can do it on YouTube because a, a, something like court TV takes breaks and they take commercial breaks and then they cut parts out of the day to take those breaks. And then they have someone um, outside the courthouse saying, what we just saw is this versus me live reacting at the same time you're watching it. So we're all reacting to it together. It feels like we're all kind of invested at the same time having the same reactions, whether it's on screen or in the chat. So it 
it really does kind of fill a need that I think we'll start to see legacy media try to duplicate, but they can't because they're not going to curse on TV. (laughs) I think what makes it so special, your channel so special too, is you break down all of this legal jargon that someone like me won't be able to understand. No, but you break it down into simple ways of understanding it. And that I think is just such a huge draw to your channel. I also think when she starts like, when she starts covering everything, she goes through these terms that I don't necessarily understand, but then she'll drop like an F-bomb and I'm like, oh, you got me. I'm here. <laughs> I'm back in it. So, for, I didn't know I was coming on the podcast for you just to keep saying nice things about me. So well, I've you know, got time. Let's just keep going. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, and I know a little bit about your background, and I think it would be fun for anyone who doesn't know who Emily D. Baker is, the listeners and, and the viewers on YouTube, and well, the viewers on YouTube will probably know who you are. But some of our listeners on the podcast, what inspired your curiosity for law? How did you get into that? And how did you get out of it? Because you kind of left to, to, yeah, you transitioned into really YouTube. So I will try to make a long story short. I actually (laughs) did give a TED talk about, about law and about my transition from law, but it was more about the emotional journey because when you're an attorney, a lot of times that career is not just what you do for a living or what you do to make money. It becomes your identity. And so I have a whole talk about the emotional journey that it took, but I always really was legally curious, but I'm also neurodivergent. I'm ADHD and dyslexic. I struggled in school all the way through college. So I didn't really think I could go to law school. When my husband and I started dating, I was still an undergrad. And one of the things he said to me is he's like, so what was the plan after college? And I was like, God, I feel so called out. (laughs) (laughs) What was the plan after college? I'm like, there wasn't one. I played division one water polo. And he's like, I I don't want to be mean, but you're five, six, like Olympic water polo is not exactly in your future. Um, And I knew that. And I had gotten injured playing college water polo and I didn't have a plan. He's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I want to go to law school, but I don't know if I can. And he's like, um, are you going to just not try that? I'm like, God, this is brutal. Um, we've now been, you know, married for over 20 years, but that was the kind of call out that I needed. He's like, why don't you just try it? I was like, okay. Okay. Kind of and like so, having that partner that lights the fire under your ass. Yeah. It's just, why don't you try instead of deciding you can't do it? Why don't you just try and see what happens? And so, um, I, you know, started studying for the LSATs, got, had my little L Woods moment, never a what like it's hard because everything felt hard about going to law school, but I loved it. I love the way of thinking. I enjoyed my philosophy classes in undergrad. I enjoyed that kind of mental gymnastics, if you will. And so I knew when I went to law school that I wanted to be a district attorney. It's the only thing I wanted to do. My law school classes, when you get to pick your extra classes, were all focused kind of on the constitution and on criminal justice. So once I became a DA and not an easy job to get um, in LA County. So once I became a DA, I was like, this is it. Good. We're done. We're set. We're good. This is my career until I retire. I'm here with the County, got my retirement, my 401k. I'm set. I started having health issues. I started having, you know, seeing coworkers having, having health issues it I mean, it takes a toll, right? I mean, a to, huge to see those cases day in and day out, it's it's got to take a, a toll mentally as well. Oh, absolutely. And I got to the point where I could not do it anymore. After illnesses and burnout and back surgeries, I was like, this isn't how I'm meant to live my life. Like I was not living. I was going to work and coming home. It was not what anyone would consider a life. I, I looked at my husband. I'm like, I have to do something else. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even care. I have to do something else. I can't keep doing this, which broke my heart because that's the only job I ever wanted. And I loved what I did, but I could not do it anymore. I moved into consulting. And then during 2020, I was helping online business owners navigate business closures and navigate their clients' issues and helping people figure out what the paycheck protection program was. And the podcast started to grow because I was talking about it there. But then there was some stuff that was funny. Kanye West, you know, back in 2020 was, you know, sharing all of his music industry contracts on Twitter and calling out the music industry and peeing on his Grammy. And I was like, 
I want to talk about that too. Like I want to explain what's in these contracts and how interesting they are. And then there were some big YouTube lawsuits with beauty guru, Toddy Westbrook. I'm like, but I'm interested in that too. And I can take my, I'm not embarrassed to say I watched all of the beauty world drama from like the first drama getting on down. Like I watched all of it unfold on YouTube. I'm like, I want to talk about YouTube drama too. And I can explain <laughs> this lawsuit and I have a background in what happened with Dramageddon and Carmageddon and all of the things. And that kind of started to shift me into pop culture because my clients, I had released all of them from their contracts in 2020. I'm like, let's, let's reconvene in a year and figure out what the world even looks like. And a year later they were like, Hey, I'm like, so I have some referrals for you. <laughs> I'm a YouTuber now. And they're like, <laughs> okay, that's great. And my channel started to grow in that time. And, and I love it. And then kind of away we go. And that's when we all met talking about housewives. Here we are. You know, I have a question. I wasn't even thinking about this going into this, but you and I have spoken about this before. When you were a DA, sometimes it can be a little bit nerve wracking when you're putting someone away and then you potentially get threats, right? When they come out of prison or going into prison. From your experience, where have you received more of those threats, more of those people kind of just attacking you? Would it be online in this position as a commentator or would would it have been as a DA? So as a DA, we did get death threats um, on occasion. Uh, They tended to be treated as credible because it was normally fairly credible and within a community where people could find you. The volume of threats since I've started as an online creator is much higher. Um, not as many credible threats, but some that have sent me to local law enforcement that have had to be dealt with. Um, one that has gone up through the FBI and is still being dealt with from a case that I covered, but the volume is much higher. They're just not as credible. They are more harassing. So there's way more harassment. Um, a lot of what I did as a DA, a lot of the time it was all part of the system. And a lot of people were like, look, if you treat me with dignity and like a human, Um, we're all just in this thing. So it wasn't the volume that it is online. And that was really surprising to me that the volume of threats and harassment working as an online creator, and not just for me, but for all the creators I know, um, is just, is just so strange to me. Even occasionally the comments of like, why won't you stop talking? It's like, um, so this is what I do though, right? (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not creating ASMR. I'm not an animator. I'm a commentator. So talking is kind of exactly what my channel is. So that's odd. Like why? What? The online space is just so weird. And people, um, yeah, just aren't on, aren't on their, uh, aren't on their manners when they're on the internet. It's weird. It's a weird thing. I was not prepared for it. I'm also old. I didn't, I grew up. You're not old. I, but I, for the online space as an online creator, I am, I am at the upper end of online creators in my mid forties, but I grew up going to college where there aren't like videos of the things I did. Thank God for that, by the way, but everything I did wasn't online. And, you know, we didn't engage in the same way. If you had a problem with someone, they probably came and knocked on your door and were like, yo, WTF. The <laughs> online space, people have just gotten a little unhinged. And I think there's a lot of post Panini. There's, wait, we're on a podcast. I can say pandemic without getting suppressed. Yes. yes. <laughs> Isn't it delightful? Post pandemic, I think, I don't know. The, it feels to me like things have turned a little bit. We've had really contentious elections and everything just feels like it's gotten a little more vitriolic. It's it's weird. I, have- I agree. And and sorry, Jason, I I just like now, every time I start talking with Emily, I have so many questions and I love picking her brain. This is why I love seeing you in person. Um, (laughs) We had so much fun at BravoCon. We had so much fun at BravoCon. I don't know if anyone anyone had more fun than us at BravoCon. I I don't think so. I don't think so either. (laughs) We we had some shenanigans. And, you know, I guess one of my next questions, I have two really. Since, you know, I feel like being an online personality, especially at the numbers that you're reaching and where you're being seen, you have a lot of people who recognize you. So it's almost like, I guess I would relate this to housewives where people watch, you have the viewers who watch the housewives. They feel so invested. They feel like they know you. They feel like they're in your house with you. And it's kind of wild. But for you being out and about, and I saw this at BravoCon, (laughs) it was like every 15 steps, 
oh my God, you're Emily D. Baker. And I'm like, and she's like, I am. Hi. It's like, this is wild. What would you say one of the most bizarre, not bizarre, but the most interesting interactions you've had with someone, maybe a law nerd or a fan or a viewer has been for you? I, first of all, I love running into the law nerds because we're all following these cases together. So it's like running into a friend being like, uh, you know, for people who watch watch sports ball, I imagine they're like, oh my God, did you see that thing on Saturday or whatever? It's the same thing. It's like, oh my God, what was your favorite part of this trial? Or what did you think of that witness? Or which trial did you start watching? So we always have something to talk about. I love running into the law nerds. It's where I run into the law nerds that are always staggering to me. Um, my family and I went on vacation in Huntsville. Loved Huntsville. Loved it so much. Loved the Space Center. And we went to a cave tour of the Cathedral Caverns. It was stunning. It felt to me like we were walking into a different planet on Star Wars. My 14-year-old and I debated which planet that would be. And then we were talking <laughs> about like stalagmites and stalactites because my 14-year-old knows way more than I do about anything at this point because he's actively in school. And someone behind me went, oh my God, you're Emily D. Baker. We are in a cave in Alabama <laughs> with like 40 people. And she had heard my voice and was like, oh my God. She's like, wait a second, Dr. B, T, G, like knew the whole family. We had the greatest conversation. So the the oddest place I've run into a law nerd is in a cave in Alabama with only 40 other people. Because what are the chances? Like we didn't, we don't really say where we're going to be before we're going to be there until after, you know, we've gone just because you never know. And especially when I'm with my kids, I never want, it's never the law nerds that I'm worried about. It's the few people that really just do not like me that I always worry about with the kids. And then I was working the snack bar at my kid's high school football game because he's in the band and band parents work the snack bar. And somebody came up and was like, can we please get a picture? I'm here. Like my nephews play for the other team. And I heard your voice. It's always, I heard you. I heard your voice. This is how I got in trouble in high school too. No matter who it was, they always heard me. They're like, I know you were involved. I heard you. <laughs> so that's how it always is. The first time I ever got recognized from YouTube, I was shopping in um, the Beverly Center at Vuitton. And I had just done a purse video on YouTube that at the time had done really well for my very small channel. My channel was under like 3,000 and it had gotten like 60,000 views. So that was the first video. And somebody walked into the Vuitton and was like, oh my God, I heard your voice. I watched your video on this purse. I came in to buy it. And I was like, hey, it's oh, always wow. the voice. Years ago. It's yeah, the that voice. was like 2017. And Emily had to tell me, by the way, Jason, at BravoCon, sometimes when I was talking about <laughs> something, she's like, your voice carries. And, you know, but since there were times that, I was literally I ready to put you on mute. I was oh. like, Adam. She's like, it's always up. at the most inappropriate time too it's like oh you just said that it was so loud everyone just heard that i i have a quick story and and you know i, I i'm kind of fanning too a little bit i always fan over you but we were in which is Orange ridiculous County. which is ridiculous by the way <laughs> it's ridiculous that you fan over me because you're actually think, famous for having skills no okay. i i fan over you because other people do and then i'm like in on it you know because we were we were in orange county to do an interview with one of the housewives, former housewives of Orange County, Kelly Dodd. And, and we had finished the interview. We weren't doing anything that night. So Adam and I are like, let's go down to the hotel bar and just chill out, grab a glass of wine. And we started talking to this, this random guy. And I don't know what your stereotypical like law nerd would look like. I just didn't assume it, it would looks look like, like us. Like this room this is my stereotypical law nerd. This room <laughs> is my, is my audience. <laughs> and he, he started talking. He asked Adam, you know, hey, what do you do? And he said, YouTube. And he's like, oh, I love YouTube. I'm watching YouTube right now. I was like, oh, who do you, you know, who do you watch? And we heard your voice come out of his phone. It's and always I was like, her voice. No way. This is Emily D. We Baker. FaceTimed you. Or no, we didn't FaceTime you. We called you. And we're like, holy shit. This is. Yeah. And then we yeah. FaceTimed. Because yeah. then we talked to him. Yeah. Yes. And then we FaceTimed yes. you. And. You know, to piggyback off of what you're saying, Jason, it's like Emily's everywhere, right? I feel I'm going to get a... We're doing um, a black and white, like monochromatic wall in our new house of all of our favorite memories and things that we've done. We have to put Emily on the wall. And, you know, I, I wanted to bring this back really quick because 
<laughs> I just got reminded from our trip to BravoCon. You, you're telling me about some of these really fun moments of meeting people, the law nerds or anyone who might be following you, and also kind of the dangers of posting in real time for people who might not necessarily be a fan of yours. Yeah. You know, when we're at BravoCon, I'm like an, a kid in a candy store and I look so dumb and I'm walking up to people who I think the interaction is going to be great. <laughs> Emily's with me and then I walk up and I just get like the dirtiest look and I'm like, did I say something? And Emily's like, ooh, that was twice now in one day. We might want to relax on this for a second. But have you ever had a negative interaction where somebody has walked up and said like, I disagree with you or I don't enjoy you or you need to change something? Not in person. All of those come into my email inbox or my DMs. I haven't had that experience in person though. I would hope again, if people watch me for any length of time, I am always open for a discussion. If you want to disagree with me, good, you should. I'm talking about legal cases. If you think I was too harsh on, you know, Amber Heard's attorney by kind of, you know, mocking her a bit, then that's fine. I am happy to have a conversation and be like, I get it. And I told you at the beginning, this woman just wore on my nerves from the beginning, but it's fair. Maybe I was. I'm always happy to recalibrate and have a conversation. What I don't take is just a straight up vitriol. I don't even engage it, but I'll always engage a conversation. Hey, did you think about this? No, I didn't. I don't know everything. I can't possibly think of everything from every single angle. I have one perspective and that's from the life that I've lived and the experiences that I've had. So I'm always happy to have a conversation. It's different with legal, I think, because I really do try to stick to the documents and give grace to the people involved in the things. I will sometimes take shots at their lawyers. The lawyers are getting very well paid. They're very highly educated. They take themselves way seriously. It's okay if we make fun of the lawyer who spelled Kevin Hart's name, Kevin Hard, for an entire legal pleading. That gave me joy for the day to call Kevin Hart, Kevin Hard. It was hilarious. But, but I'm not... You know, when we talk about like Erica Girardi's suits, there's a lot of room to criticize Erica Girardi, but Garcelle said it best. Erica can do that for herself. We're just going to stick to the legal filings and try to give grace. So no, I haven't um, had that experience, but I'm sure it'll happen at some point. But even, even when we ran into Jen Shaw at BravoCon, she was lovely and gracious. And, and I really try to give, I really try to treat people like humans in all of my coverage, but that's how I worked as a DA too. Just because I'm prosecuting someone doesn't mean they're not a human who's had a life and either made mistakes or ended up in circumstances that have been awful. So, you know, if we start, if we lead with that, I think we're going to end up in a pretty good place most of the time. You know, since you brought up Erica, Jason and I, um, we went out with my family and we took my dad for Father's Day to Hibachi and we had this woman sitting there. It was her birthday and she was sitting there with her husband celebrating her birthday and she was having some shots, having a good time, right? And all of a sudden she looks across and she recognized Jason. And she's like, Jason, up and at him. I'm like, just at him. And she's like, up and at him. And she, she you just have, Look, you have up and at him and neon behind your head. It's yeah. how people recognize you. You're I, going to get called up and at him no matter what. All the time. And I'm always just like, just at him. And she came over and my family was like, oh, this is different. And she looks at me and the first thing she says is, can I just tell you really quick, I feel like you are way too hard on Erica and you need to change that. And I was like, oh, my whole family's right here. This is so, why does this always happen to me? But I guess it's because I'm not talking about just the facts and the legal. I'm not talking about legal at all. I'm kind of sometimes saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like what about the victims and sort of giving an opinion and taking a side? A, and I guess that's a different opinion. And yeah. people are allowed to have a difference of opinion. I just always ask that they do it respectfully because I think you do your commentary respectfully. And so, hey, I think you're too harsh. Can you dial it back? I think is a fair like difference of opinion, you know, and yeah, and it's fair. Your audience feels very comfortable with you. Yes. They get real comfortable in the comments. Yes, they do get very comfortable. Real, and real comfortable. <laughs> Jason, before I know that you have a couple more questions for Emily before we have... Emily is a very busy woman, you guys. So we don't get to keep oh, her all day as much as we would love to. We could talk for... I could truly talk forever. Um, but we could absolutely chat forever. And even though we got to spend uh, days together chatting, we we still could talk forever. But th that's that's the fun. That's when you know you're with people that you enjoy is when it's like, oh, and then this and then this. I love that. I could talk to you about so many different things. And I think this is what makes your channel so different. But when you went into YouTube, let's say, 
did you have an idea of how you wanted to portray yourself or did you just go in wanting to be yourself? Because you're you're pretty recognizable and and you you have purple hair, you have some tats, <laughs> you use curse words, your studio looks so fresh and fun and you just make your content so entertaining. And I know you started off doing a lot of tech reviews and stuff, but how how did you go into YouTube thinking I, I, I want to do be this a character? Are you not not a character, but you know, you watch a lot of legal commentary on YouTube and it's just it's dry. It's, it's okay. It's boring. It's Some a little boring. boring. They sit in their office and, and they kind of go through the documents like very lawyerly. <laughs> lawyerly is probably the best Monotone. word to describe that. But did you have an idea of what you wanted to do or did you just were like, fuck it, I want to be myself? So when I first I first started YouTube when I was really struggling with so I went through when I say health issues. It was like a year and a half of 15 different specialists. I had gotten exposed to tuberculosis at work, working at a juvenile facility, had gotten treated for that. I had adrenal fatigue. I was off of work constantly. I had to take a leave of absence to actually recover because I was getting sick all the time because my immune system just bottomed out. And in that course of recovering, I herniated my back. So I had a lot of time at home where I had no one around, like everyone I know has a job. So I was looking for community. I couldn't talk about law. I love and still love tech creators on YouTube. I Justine, MKBHD and so many others. And so I was like, I can talk about tech and what I love about tech. And so I started making YouTube videos for community and for fun. Some of my early YouTube videos are fucking horrible. And I watch them now and react with them with my members community on occasion. Let's pull one out of the vault and make fun of Emily. Um, But I'm glad I did it because when I started leaning into wanting to do legal commentary, I knew that I wanted to come from integrity, but I had also gone through trying to figure out who I was not as a DA. And if I can't show up as that, then I don't want to show up online. I'm also ADHD. Like I don't have the capacity to be anyone other than myself. And I had already done that in consulting. My consulting business when I first left the DA's office was very buttoned up, very lawyerly. But then when I would go and speak at presentations and on stage, people are like, oh my God, you're so fun in person, but you're not quite the same. I'm like, right, I'm not as much fun on the internet. They're like, right, why? And I'm like, oh, I'm still worried about other people's judgment. That's weird. I don't want to do that at all. So I had already kind of gone through some of those iterations of how do I show up in this new space as myself and who even is myself anyway? Because as a DA, there's a certain way to show up, not with purple hair and the tats were covered with suit sleeves. So I'd already done that. I'd already had a whole career where I kind of dimmed my shine a little bit, where I couldn't make quippy jokes where a judge almost fined me for making a jury laugh and actually just chewed me out about making a jury laugh unintentionally on my part. Um, So I had already done that. And so when I showed up on YouTube to do legal commentary, I didn't want to do that anymore. And I don't always do it perfectly. I don't always say things right. I, there's times I've not expressed myself eloquently and I've learned and I've continued to grow into that. And I let my audience know, look, I'm a live streamer. There's times I will get numbers backwards. I will pronounce names wrong. That's why I bring the documents up on screen. So if I say it wrong, y'all can see. You can see in the chat and correct me. I knew that the only way I could really show up sustainably is to show up as myself. And I never wanted anyone to meet me and be like, oh, you're 100% not what I expected. Who I show up on a live stream is who I show up at as at dinner. Um, I curse less when I'm at my children's school for events. That's that's about the only the only <laughs> mitigation is the amount of cursy words get dialed up or dialed back. But I am who I am, who I am, and it's it's funny because I get I've gotten especially with Depp Heard emails from people that I've known since elementary school who are like, "Oh my God, I saw you on the internet. It's so good to see you. You're exactly the same." I'm like, "Yep." That's a compliment. Yeah, I need to take a page from Emily's book because I feel like sometimes on the internet, you know, you you want to act a certain way or be kind of like polite or just like sort of I don't know. And then in real life, I'm like wee. So maybe I don't know. That's it. That's inspiring. Thanks, Emily. You are a lot of fun, and it's look. People are going to judge you no matter what you do at this point. If you're online, people are going to judge you for something. I'm just okay with that because that's that's on that's on them. There are people who are annoyed by my face 
my voice, my purple hair, the fact that I have toys in my background. I think they're hilarious. But the law nerds get me. My audience, when I talk about something like band or theater, my audience is like, I was in band. I was in theater. I was this. I'm like, look, if you played like D&D in high school, we're pro- you're probably in my community now. <laughs> why we're called the law nerds. The amount of people that know how many tardises I have in the background of my of my um of my videos lets me know that my people have found me. So I feel like we have the big old nerd table and we've got like the band kids, the theater kids, the goth kids and we've all grown up and we get to hang out together and giggle about growing up in the 90s. So that's and then occasionally somebody will be like, "Oh my god, that was before I was born." I'm like, "Shh." you're like (laughs) you don't need to leave those comments i know you were born in the 2000s (laughs) emily since you started your youtube channel obviously you've had a lot of incredible opportunities maybe you didn't even expect these opportunities but you've been all over the place what would you say would be one of the biggest opportunities to date i don't know there's um between the opportunity the opportunities we can't talk about yet are 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 still, we have stuff still in the hopper. I've been surprised by all of it. The thing that was most interesting to me was the LA Times did a profile and it was on the front page of the calendar section. And the reach outs I got from like defense attorneys I had worked with who were like, I opened my paper and I saw your face and your hair is purple. I like, Hi, I'm a YouTuber now. Um, that was really cool because it's something that my parents really connected with. That's their hometown paper. They still live um, where I grew up. So it was, that was really fun. Getting to be part of ABC's The Year 20, uh, 2021 and talking about the different cases that happened was really meaningful. And then being asked to be part of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard Discovery Plus documentary was was a really great opportunity because I'm glad to bring what I do to other traditional media. There are some in my space that do not want to deal with traditional media at all. And it's kind of us versus them. I think there's a way to bridge the gap between how traditional media does things. Because again, they have corporations and boards of directors to answer to. I don't. I have my audience to answer to. That's my board of directors. And that's a blessing for me. But I'm happy to try to bridge that gap. And the law nerds have cheered me on every step of the way. They've always been like, oh my God, I saw you here. I saw you there. I was a clip of my voice is in a tribute to a a YouTuber who passed that my kids loved and I loved Technoblade. My audience let me know. I didn't even know it was in the YouTube tribute. So I also love doing that stuff because my audience also, the law nerds also dig it. So it's been really, it's been really fun. But the stuff that my mom can see that's not on YouTube makes it feel like I have a real job. Like being on local, (laughs) local news in Los Angeles that my mom can like turn on the television and see is one of those things where she's like, oh, you're on the TV. I'm like, you know, you can put YouTube on the TV, right? Like that I can just be on your TV, but that's okay, mom. Yes. Yes. I was, I was on channel seven. It's fine. I love, do you ever, do you ever find it challenging since you do cursy words on YouTube? Like when you are invited to do a big special or something like that, is it very easy for you to turn that off and not be like, fuck? It is. But I think I've had, I mean, I've cursed since I can remember, I've been a kid who has cursed, but I also have high people pleasing tendencies. So I didn't want to get in trouble in school for cursing. Um, So I would, I was very good at kind of context switching. And this is something ADHD people are really good at is kind of masking the wildness sometimes. So I'm pretty good at switching it. And my audience knows me. So I will always kind of pause and just kind of raise an eyebrow and say something else. And they know what I mean. So you will see it when I'm like, yeah, that was wild. Um, wild is not all of what's running through my head. So I'm used to that and I'm used to kind of turning it on and off. There was one time when I was a lifeguard in my teens where I was yelling at some kid to stop running. And I'm like, what the fuck? Stop running. (laughs) It whipped around. I was like, damn it. It only happens once. (laughs) You can't scream obscenities at like a seven-year-old. The kid's like running. You like take off your your slipper, your water slipper, and you just like chuck it at the back of the kid. You're like, fuck. You learned, you learned, you learned to mitigate the cursey words when you're yelling over like a megaphone, but no, it has, it hasn't been an issue though. There's times I want to use the, the language of the law nerds that I can't always use in traditional media, but it hasn't, it hasn't been an issue. I'm a lawyer. I'm trained to be able to talk. You know, you got to be able to express yourself most of the time. Out of the biggest cases that you've covered, right? I know Johnny Depp was like, it was huge. And I know it was huge. You're talking about one currently, the Daryl Brooks case, right? Yeah, the Daryl Brooks case is really sad. It's, yeah, I 
unbelievable actually yep. and, and really hard to talk about i'm sure but what what do you think is going to come up in his sentencing the sentencing is going to be difficult and i know that the thing that i appreciate about what i get to do is i get to bring everyone into the courtroom with me and kind of be the guide like this is what this is going to be like i've done victim impact statements where i've stood next to victims i've done victim impact statements where i've read the statement for the victim um, I've never successfully done that without crying because I don't know how you can read a first person impact statement without it affecting you. I, I just, I did not have that skill. So I know how emotional these impact statements are going to be. And I've been trying to prepare my audience. I mean, this is going to be a difficult day. There yeah, are cases yeah. that I won't cover because I just don't think I can, um, because I've done this work. There's another case that's being televised right now, the Parkland the Parkland trial, which was just a penalty phase, those victim impact statements are are gut-wrenching. But also, <clears throat> a lot of what I do is pop culture commentary. It's kind of quippy. We can be fun. We can curse. There's nothing that's not devastating about murdered kids. There's nothing no. not devastating about that. So I will give commentary after the fact about stuff the judge is doing with the attorneys, but I'm never going to give commentary on parents trying to express their grief over losing their kids at school. And I'm not going to cover it day in and day out and then send my kid off to high school. So right. I like sticking to pop culture, not just because it works well for the way I like to talk about cases, but it's it. the other cases are very emotionally hard. So the Brooks sentencing, the victim impact statements, I think are going to be very hard. We saw one individual yell out in court when he was convicted burn in hell, you piece of shit. I think that's a preview of the anger and the sorrow that we're going to get. But it's a really important part of the process. So for this case, we're going to do it all together as a group and kind of holding space as a community, I also think is important. So that's why I tend to stick to pop culture because heavy cases are very, very heavy. Question for you. If with a case like this, and we're talking about sentencing and you're covering it, you know, I know that when you talk about pop culture and like Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, what's going to happen? Is somebody, you know, going to have to put out a big um, pay payout or something like that, right? But for this, when it's this serious, and you're talking about how, what is the sentencing going to be? Wouldn't you already think in your head like life in prison or maybe death penalty? Like you kind of know this case, uh, death penalty is not on the table because of the state he's in. Just doesn't have it. And so it's people are like, well, what is the sentence going to be? I'm like, I'm not going to run over under because he's never getting out of prison. So for me, it doesn't matter if he gets 500 years plus six life sentences or 600 or 700 or 800. At that point, does it matter? He's getting life. So it's going to be the technical sentence will be like life plus life plus life plus life plus life plus 600 years or whatever. But what I try to do when I have those conversations, instead of guessing at the sentencing, when we're already looking at never getting out, is talk about the fact that it there's a lot to be said for no matter what his sentence is, it doesn't undo anything. And often it doesn't make anybody feel any better. The victim's families aren't going to heal faster because he's been sentenced. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe it gives some closure, but they're still having to go through the grieving process. And so this person being in custody for the rest of their life, a lot of the times I found people are like, but what was it all for? Like this, everyone is ruined in this. There's no positive outcome. So I don't like guessing at sentencing. When we're looking at a sentencing like a Jen Shaw or a Josh Duggar, where there are sentencing guidelines and ranges, and we can talk about the policy behind those and how those came about, I feel like there's room to educate. When it's someone who's going to prison forever, it's just... Now it's talking about the other side of it. So that's how right. I kind of differentiate between the two. And that kind of just made me like a little depressed. It's it's hard stuff, but it's also a part of our system that we don't talk about enough. Also, we don't talk about enough with compassion. It's real easy to meet cases like that and Parkland with anger. It's It's much harder to also process the rest of the stuff going on. And so that's one of the things I try to talk about, but it's also why I don't cover a ton of criminal cases, even though I was a criminal attorney. It's because I was a criminal attorney. It's not entertainment. You know, it's it's right. sad. On the flip side, 
oh, when it comes again. to That's celebrity, pop culture. <laughs> when it comes to pop culture and celebrity cases, what has been the favorite, your favorite one that you've covered that you wake up and you're like, I cannot wait to see the shit that goes down today. I mean, I love, there's a difference between covering a case. Cause I have a favorite case that I covered just from all the mess and deliciousness of it. But there's a difference between cover covering cases that are going through court in documents and covering cases that are going through court on video. There were moments in Depp v. Heard that were so ridiculous. Um, Spicy Draco was one of my favorite. The the TMZ Morgan, um, the TMZ employee who came in and was like, same could be said for you getting your 15 minutes. It's like, what is happening in court today? The wheels have come off. And now Heidi Klum is here. Like, this is just a parallel universe. And so I love that. But my favorite case that has not been topped yet is Colin versus Cuthbert, the very feisty case out of the UK over cakes shaped like caterpillars because Aldi went on a social media spree about the case that was so delightfully shady and funny. And so there's this whole intellectual property case going on and then this whole social media war. I think the Utah Cookie Wars is going to rank right up there because the Utah Cookie Wars case is popping off and I love a food case. I think it's really fun to talk about and these intellectual property concepts get woven in there. But also crumble cookies. You guys, do you have a crumble near you? You probably have like seven crumbles near you. Have you ever I don't done know if we have one here, but I've had, yes, I've had We're a, not eating this shit. What are you talking about? I've no. never heard of crumble. Because <laughs> you, you have abs, right? I get it. No, oh. That's fine. You're healthier than all of us. There. <laughs> Adam's so uncomfortable right now. I, because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but crumble, I've never heard of Crumble. Crumble took the TikTok girlies by storm, right? So they have really pretty cookies. The menu rotates every week. You can order them on an app. They started in Utah. I think the reason all these cookie chains started is in Utah is because people just aren't drinking. They're like, we can go get cookies on a Saturday. I'm like, okay. Sure, that's <laughs> not what I was doing in my 20s on a Saturday. But this is how these cookies <laughs> took off. So they became very social media friendly. Crumble sued these other cookie makers one of them is called Dirty Dough, and they're in Arizona. Very different brands, even from the name Crumbles. Very pink and light and aesthetic. It looks like it looks like an early 2010 Instagram feed. It's like perfectly curated. Dirty Dough is kind of like, <laughs> we got cookies. We're going to name them like Big Chunk and shit like that. <laughs> so Crumbles suing Dirty Dough. So Dirty Dough took out a bunch of really sassy billboards all over all over Utah and was like, you know our cookies won't crumble under a lawsuit and stuff like that. So now there's this social media war being waged between crumble and dirty dough and another one. And now there's all the cookie wars and social media has been taken over by hashtag cookie wars. And at the end of the day, crumble who has now become a pretty huge cookie brand, they all just kind of look like dicks because they're like trying to shut down the little guy. And so it's a really fun back and forth over giant Instagrammable cookies. What's more fun to talk about than that? I mean, what the hell is happening amazing. in the world? What? <laughs> right. Utah Cookie Wars. It, look at the hashtags. People are deeply invested in the Utah Cookie Wars. So I'm excited to get back to that when we're covering cases by documents and seeing... Like, I would normally tell people, if you're in a lawsuit, stay the fuck off of social media. If you are a massive corporation, there are some exceptions to the rule because you have in-house counsel and you have a publicist and PR strategist. You might have crisis PR Aldi kind of taking pot shots over Caterpillar cakes is not going to damage their brand or their lawsuit. Same with Crumble. Um, others taking to social media can very much hurt their public image. And again, I think we've seen that with Erica Girardi. We've seen her public image be more damaged because of the way she's engaged on social media instead of just staying silent. So the the rules are different if you're a mega corporation versus like a personal brand, an individual celebrity. I yep. can't wait. I'm literally the first thing I'm doing when we get off of this interview is going on social media and hashtagging cookie wars. Because I'm going to have to send you the link to my Cuthbert video. So this little, this caterpillar back here was sent from the UK. It is, it is Cuthbert, but I will have to send you the link to my Colin Cuthbert video. Cause I go through all the tweets from Aldi that are hilarious. They're hilarious. They changed the, the box for the cake and it had said like serves like six to 10. 
And so they changed the box on social media and it says serve six to 10 years and they put little jail bars on it. So it's this little <laughs> color face behind jail bars in a cake box. Just stuff like that. That was so <laughs> funny. They're like, we're calling our lawyers. It was just, it was brilliant. Their social media team all deserves raises. It was great. I think the only dirty dose are in Utah and Arizona. The next time y'all go to Utah, I think you can try all three and host your own Utah cookie wars if you want to. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Because that, that might be coming up. If if I had a final question, it would probably be because I always like to end off and just want to know, you know, like where would you want for someone who has been as su- successful as you, where would you hope to reach for? Like, do you have any bar that you just you're like, I have to hit this? And the only reason I asked that was because I was casually watching the Paris Hilton documentary. And when I was, she was like, I can't have a child yet. And her sister was like, Why, Paris? What are you like? What's stopping you? She's like, well, when I hit 100 million, I said I would have a child. Then I wanted to hit 500 million. And then that wasn't enough. Now, once I hit a billion, I can settle down and I can have a kid. Like, do you constantly feel like you're raising those bars? Sorry for the Paris Hilton thing. I love the Paris Hilton thing. The reason I kind of roll my eyes is because I was thinking of like where we were in our life when we had kids. And it was, we, you're never ready to have kids. That's why it's so funny because once you've had kids, you can look at people and be like, no, but you're never ready. Like there's never any amount of like therapy or preparation or size of your house or staff that can prepare you for having a kid. There's just, you're never prepared. You just either go for it or you don't go for it. It doesn't matter how, you know, it it doesn't matter. Money can make things easier, but you're never prepared. No, I don't. It's terrible. My team's like, what are the goals for 2023? And I'm like, "Mm, not work all the time. I would like a little bit more balance. I I've I would like a little bit more balance. So most of my goals are personal goals. My son and I, my oldest and I do archery together and we had been doing archery competitions. I have not had time. So getting back to some of my hobbies and building in those systems, but I love my community. So I'm excited to hit, you know, we'll hit 700,000 or 750 and push towards a million on YouTube, but I'm not going to that's a number I don't control. So I'm not going to be like, if I don't hit a million by this time, I'm going to be disappointed. I have no control over that. I can show up for my community, cover lawsuits and make good content. And I can control how much time I spend working and how much time I spend with my family. So those are really the goals are how I live my life. I want to travel, not just for work um, and be able to do that a little bit more. So it's really working a little bit less. That is the goal, not, not benchmarks, but also I spent, again, 10 plus years in a career where it was, I want to get promoted to this level and then I want to do this type of trials. So I've had a lot of a career to do that. And I found the same thing Paris Hilton did. It's like, oh, I've achieved this, but it doesn't matter because now there's this and now there's that. And now there's a special unit and now there's this other special unit. And it just... Is there a dream appearance? Like, do you have career-wise? Do you? I mean, you've been on so many different networks, but is there like that one... Good morning, America. I don't know. Like you, you, you were on E News. You were. Don't miss the emails. Can you can you tell where Adam's coming from here? Because obviously, we have some benchmarks that we like to hit over here. Here's the thing about TV appearances: one, they make you leave your house; two, they make you get up real fucking early; three, professional makeup takes a whole lot of time, so does hair; and four, they put the cameras down low. Who does that? What 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 person decided to put the cameras damn near at the floor and point them up at you because it's dramatic? It's so rude. Camera up, point it down. We all learned this with selfies. So I'm I'm open to opportunities and I'll say yes. Is there any opportunity that I'm chasing? Truly not this year. I mean, we've been, it's been really still rebalancing, moving out of California to Tennessee. We moved in 2020. A lot of my goals are really truly life goals, not work goals, because I'm so happy showing up doing what I do. I want the Murdoch trial to actually happen in January. That is something I would very much like to happen. I have no control over that at all. But please don't push this trial back. You said you were going. You said you were going to mount up and ride. So just do it. Don't push the trial. (laughs) So things like that, I'm ready for them to fall into place. Like don't push off the Shaw sentencing. Let's wrap up the year where we know what's happening. But things I have control of are really just my life. We might have, we might have a lot of writing to do in 2023. So wow. when I say I need a little bit of time, there's some projects that I'm working on, but dream appearance. I mean, 
not at this point, really. I mean, you know. That's really special though. No, that's special (laughs) because I think that it's almost like you're prioritizing mental health, like your life, your family, you have kids, you have an entire husband. Like it's, it, you've, you've hit so many different, you know, milestones. So it it makes sense that you're like, at this point, like I know this is a well-oiled machine as long as I keep giving what I need to, to it. But I feel like I can also sort of step back a little bit, embrace other opportunities and kind of focus on what I have right here in my house with a little orange tail, like swaying back and forth in front of you. You know, that makes sense. <laughs> like and that's, cat. that's I, special. I wanted to do content creation to have more control over my life. And, you know, we just passed Halloween. Halloween 2020, we had just passed 5,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. And I will never forget that night going out with my kids. I'm like, this is wild. I might just be able to do this. And the reason it mattered so much for me is because in years past, I had missed these Halloween parades they host at school with the kids in their costumes are always at like 10 o'clock in the morning. There were Halloweens that I had court and I could not go and just be available to do the things my kids were doing at school. And so when I chose content creation, I was also choosing myself and my family. And so it's real easy to just default into work all the time mode. And so it's a constant push pull to not do that. And that's something I can continue to get better at. And I've brought on a team to help me with that blocks out my calendar and is like, no, you're not working today. You, you have, you know, my kids in band, I get to just go be a band mom on Fridays. And that really does mean the world to me because at the end of the day, life's short. And how nice you've created this, this place that you can come have your dream appearance whenever you get on YouTube, whenever you go live for your community that, that, I mean, going to one of your live chats, sometimes it's, it's, it's incredible. Wild. I'm like reading things and then it keeps going and going. It's and really going hard going. to read the things because they yeah. just fly. Can I tell you what we set our slow mode to? Oh my gosh. Our slow mode is regularly at 300 seconds, which for everyone listening wow. that doesn't YouTube, it means that if you are chatting, you can only send, you can only send a chat every 300 seconds as one individual. But when you have 50,000 people in the chat, it's still going so fast. And people are like, turn slow mode on. I'm like, we have maxed out slow mode. There is no slower mode. So our slow mode is always on. Once we get to about 10,000, we tend to bump it up. We try to keep it at 90 to 100 seconds if we're under 10,000, but we haven't we haven't been under 10,000 on a live stream in a little bit. So Hair flip. we have slow mode. <laughs> Hair flip. <laughs> we have to keep the slow mode up a little bit, but then our members figured out that if you are a member of the channel, slow mode does not apply to you. So, oh, so that's amazing. Oh, that's shit. become a real big benefit for our, for our channel members who just want to chat with the law nerd community. So it's been fun. What do you want to share what your dream appearances are or are we keeping them? Are we keeping them to ourselves? Are we putting it into the universe? No, you know, Honestly, I, I think for Jason, Jason had an entire dream career. And for me, a little bit, this whole thing with YouTube and some of the fun things, like especially when I did the Jen Shaw interview and that made like GMA and stuff like that. It's I'm not on it, but it's still kind of featured in those little moments. Like when Wendy Williams was like, who the hell is this guy? And brought up the thing. I was like, this is really fun and cool because when I started my YouTube channel, I didn't have a lot of confidence. And all of the people that I, I was working with in West Hollywood and LA, they're like, you you're going to embarrass yourself. You're so thirsty. You look stupid. And now I don't hear that. That's so, so mean. I mean, this is why we moved out of LA. Do you right. remember my friend, Emily, without naming names? Like, do you remember my friend and our bitchy banter that we can, you're like, I'm a little uncomfortable. And I'm like, this is just our banter. But th- it's you're like, just, this is just our banter. I'm like, I have to leave. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if we might hate each other. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't. And, you know, I think for me too, especially focusing on the new studio, I just always want to expand. I'm, I think I'm too work focused. Jason always tells me this. I want to see... I want more interviews. I want more sit-down interviews. I would love to do a streaming service. I would love to one day have my own sort of talk show segment on, I don't know, Peacock or maybe even Heather DeBro's new network. I I don't know, but I feel like I love it. it just doesn't stop and I'm not afraid to do anything. I feel like YouTube is just the beginning and I kind of like not knowing, but then I'm like, what the fuck's about to happen? I need to know. So it's awesome. I think there's absolutely in everyone's kind of journey, a hustle season. I feel like I've just done it. Like I've passed, like that season of my life is past and I'm thankful for it. But you can't learn the lessons to actually be content because people are like, wait, are you happy with that being your goals? I'm like, yes, yes, I'm very, very (laughs) content where I'm at. Um, And I love it. And I've told people, look, 
it's going to take a lot to make me leave my house. And I am not lying. It If you want me to leave my house to come and do an interview or whatever, there has to be a real good reason for it because I can flip on my camera and my microphone and talk to my audience. I don't need to do anything other than that. And But it takes the career that came before for me to be content doing this and not want to push more in this season. Adam, the fact that you're in a season where you're like, I am going to reach for all of the stars, do it. Absolutely do it. And and you should do it. And you should keep reaching for the interviews because the interviews will bring all of the other stuff that you're talking about. And, you know, would it be great if YouTube ever put one of my videos on like the trending page? Sure. Is it going to happen? No. Would I love to be acknowledged as a streamer in my space? Sure. Am I going to get beat out by the Minecraft bros? Always. And so <laughs> I'm kind of just like, I'm I'm an anomaly on the platform, but we're just going to keep going. I keep pushing YouTube to put law as a category when you can categorize your videos because you can do like news and politics. I'm like, pass. And you can do entertainment. I'm like, some of what I cover is not entertainment. It's law. It is entertaining. So those are the kinds of things that I'm excited to to work with the platform and continue to 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 work with. But really, I, I'm just kind of on on the river kind of we're we're going to see where it goes in this adventure for the next year and 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 set goals as appropriate but I love that you're in a season of push Adam go for it thanks Emily it makes me tired hearing about it but <laughs> it makes me it makes me tired too listen <laughs> with with your whole team and everything that you have with scheduling that makes me tired thinking about it Jason too Jason and I are going to go over here and be old together and you can just you can just embrace your inner housewife it's going to be fantastic I uh, yes <laughs> I'm like a puppy I'm like squirrel Squirrel. I, but I love that. And I think there's something so fun and, and balancing about that. And again, it's all seasons and it's, it's fun for a season and it's, it's the right season for you to push and you should. Um, but I bet you if a streaming service was like, Hey, do you want to do this? They might not be able to pay you what YouTube pays you. Oh, then I'm going to be like, I'm not in that season no. of my life. Uh-huh. So it's just, <laughs> there's gotta be a real good reason. I was talking to one of the I, I won't disclose who, but I was talking to someone with one of the traditional media appearances I was doing. And I was like, you know, we were talking about YouTube and stuff. And it's, I had been approached about other, other opportunities in traditional TV. And the conversation was really, why would you leave your house to have less control and get paid less? And I'm like, that's exactly what my answer has been to everything. Why would I be up at 4am to have more restrictions, less control, for less. I'm not, I'm not here for less anymore. And what my more looks like is different than others, but I know exactly what I want. So it's, it's good. It's good for me. It's inspiring to listen to you, to, to be content with, I, I think, you know, you found this place where you have an audience where you can be yourself and give, give yourself to people and, and you're, you're happy and content. A lot of people can't find that. I also you think you have the, to leave LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, there's that. So did the so push did we. for more, the external push for more is also something that people might need distance from. If there's not an internal drive for more, sometimes that external push for more can push you over the edge. And I just, I just don't feel that anymore, truly. And for me, it took a little bit of physical distance. Well, and I think that too, this was such a, honestly, and again, guys, we're like sitting here like, riding Emily's clock. But I think that's such a positive way to kind of cap this off. Emily, for anyone listening, where where can we find you? I know you're on YouTube. You are everywhere. But YouTube is is <laughs> is your main platform. I know you have a podcast called The Emily Show. Do they do they correlate or are they two different things? They do correlate. So I'm at the Emily D. Baker everywhere on social media. So that's how you can find me, the Emily D. Baker. I put up the podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. It's also in a video version up on YouTube. So you can find The Emily Show wherever you're looking. So I made it easy to find one handle, all the places. One handle. Yeah. Handled. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your story and just just how much light that you can put onto these, these cases and, and help a person like me understand what the hell is happening and how do we get to this enough credit at all both of you don't give yourselves enough credit but i try to i try to just bring it to all of us that have like a little inner honor like we want to understand what's going on in the world around us i love it we love you emily 
Thank you for joining us. All right, guys. Well, that was the best conversation that I felt like we honestly could have had with the number one legal badass commentator on YouTube, Emily D. Baker. She told you where to follow her. If you want to cover pop culture law or you want someone to cover it for you and make it make sense, Emily's the go-to. She's a great friend of ours. And I'm so happy that she joined us today with her busy schedule. On top of that, I know Jason said this at the beginning. I'm kind of annoying with this. I like to reiterate. But if you guys enjoyed the conversation, which hopefully you did because we're loving this podcasting world, then make sure you drop a five-star review anywhere or rating or whatever they call it on the podcast world, anywhere you get your podcast. And guys, with that, we're going into the weekend. We love you so much. Be safe. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.